1: David set aside the equivalent of over $2 billion in modern-day money for a temple he would never see with his eyes. This is what missions giving is about, too. We're giving because we want to advance the kingdom of God. Verse 40, and having provided some better thing for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. Let's go down to verse number 1 of the 12th chapter. Wherefore seeing, uh, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. You can be weighed down by things that aren't sin. There are some things you need to give up, not because they're a sin, but because they're weighing you down. I ain't going to preach on it. This is totally free. It's not going to cost you anything. But if that Netflix is cutting in to your prayer time, you need to shed the weight. If that YouTube is cutting in to devotion with the Lord, you need to cut it out. Whatever it is, lay aside that weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Usually don't think about patience in a race. Race is running. Just get there as quick as you can. But he said, run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Verse number one again, Wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. I want to preach to you this morning on this thought in the arena. Amen. In the arena. And if you would just lift your hands to the Lord and let's just pray together right now. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the power of your spirit that is being realized in this service even right now. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would touch each and every heart and each and every life. I pray, Lord, that you would give us, oh God, the wisdom and and the knowledge and the revelation of your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak into this place with great confirmation and affirmation. We pray that lives will be changed before we leave this house. In the name of Jesus, and the church shouts, amen. Would you give the Lord another hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, while you're clapping, just shout how much you love the Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. We praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them in the arena. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Brother Marcel, good to see you. Home from Bible College this weekend, doing a, having a, just doing a wonderful, I'm checking in on him. and. Your, your professors all know me, and the all, Brother Bishop and all of them, and so you better walk the line. No, he is. He's doing good. He's doing good. We're proud of Brother Marcel, amen, at Bible College, amen. If you don't walk the line, we'll send you to our Bible College in the Philippines, amen. <laughs> Praise God, Amen. And a book that was published some years ago entitled My Brush with History, a retired United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, John Clark Alberts, who to the best of my knowledge is alive today and lives somewhere in the Chicago area, if my memory serves me right, um, wrote a very short chapter about his brush with history. He recounted an incident that occurred When he was a boy, sometime around 1929 or 1930, he and his mother were standing on a curb watching a patriotic parade. Maybe it was Memorial Day or or Fourth of July or something to that effect, but it was a very patriotic parade. I wish we still had those kind of parades, amen, not these pedophile parades they have with rainbows everywhere. You don't have to like it. It's the truth. Amen. That, that didn't cost you anything either. I'm already being censored by Facebook right now for disagreeing with uh, the president. So it might get a whole lot worse than these uh, uh, fascists that are running our social media now. Amen. Isn't it funny how free speech is a threat to them? Anyway, I ain't got time for that. But what I'm telling you is the absolute truth. When you have adults running around naked with four and five-year-olds, they're pedophiles. Hands down. But this was a patriotic parade. Let me get my, my victory back. Amen. This was a patriotic parade. Some Memorial Day or some Fourth of July. During a pause, an old open car, he said, perhaps maybe a Model A or a Model T stopped in front of where he and his mother stood as he was a young boy. And sitting in the back of that Model T or Model A car were four or five very elderly gentlemen wearing blue coats and blue campaign hats. One of those old men spotted young John standing on the sidewalk and he motioned to him and said, Come here, sonny. The little boy looked up at his mother and she nodded her permission. And John ran into the street with excitement and he looked up at the almost, almost uh godlike in his imagination figures of these old men in their blue hats and blue jackets. And he ran into the street and he reached up to the hand of that old veteran who stretched out his hand and shook his hand and he leaned over and told him, now, Sonny, when you go back, You tell your mother that you were only two handshakes away from the Revolutionary War. You see, this old veteran of Grant's army, the Grand Army of the Republic, explained what he meant. He said, Sonny, when I was your age... I was standing on a street just like you, watching a parade just like this one, when a horse-drawn carriage stopped right in front of me, and there were four or five old men sitting in the back of it, and those old men wore tri-cornered hats. One of them called me over, young man, and he reached out his hand, and he shook my hand. And that day, when I was a child, I shook hands with a veteran of General George Washington's army. And he said, now, Sonny, you're shaking my hand, so you go back and tell your mother you were two handshakes away from the Revolutionary War. Lieutenant Colonel Alberts wrote in his chapter, quote, one of these days I'm going to be in a parade, maybe in the back of an open car, and I'm going to pick out a little boy (coughs) who is standing on the sidewalk. I'm going to call him over. And I'm going to shake his hand. And I'm going to say, now, Sonny, you are only three handshakes away from the Revolutionary War. And Colonel Alberts closed that chapter by saying, my, we really are a young country. See, history's not as far behind us as we think it is. History's not as far behind us as we think it is. History is being lived today. There's a famous photograph of President Bill Clinton as a young man attending some type of meeting in Washington, and he was shaking the hands of the president, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, shaking hands with him. There is another picture of John Kennedy as he's shaking a young man's hand. And little John Kennedy as a boy was shaking hands, amen, uh, with the President Franklin D. Roosevelt when his father was ambassador to England. President Roosevelt married a Roosevelt who was the favorite niece of Teddy, Theodore Roosevelt. In fact, President Teddy Roosevelt gave Eleanor away at their wedding. There's another photograph that is in existence today. It's an amazing one. It's of, the, uh, of an upstairs window of a New York brownstone uh, apartment building uh, watching the funeral of a four-year-old boy, Teddy Roosevelt, at the age of four years old looking out that window watching the funeral of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln himself was standing in the House of Representatives when John Quincy Adams, the representative from Massachusetts, collapsed and died of a heart attack in that chamber. Of course, John Quincy Adams, a former president, was son of John Adams, who had been president himself and had served as vice president to George Washington. You see, history is not as far behind us as we think it is of course this morning I'm not here to preach about American history what I'm here to preach about is that you and I are descendants of a far greater revolution you and I are descendants of a far greater revolutionary war. We are connected with something greater than Washington, something greater than Adams, something greater than Jefferson, something greater than Kennedy, amen. You and I are the direct descendants of the greatest human event to ever happen upon the face of the earth, amen. We are descendants of the church of Jesus Christ, amen. And we are descendants of of the greatest revolution of mankind, hallelujah. When God poured out his spirit on mankind on the very Pentecost following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, he began his church in this world uh, and he established his church on a rock so that the gates of hell would never prevail against the church uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, We are of the same blood, we are of the same name, and we are of the same spirit of that early church. We're not some different church. We are the same church. We're still connected to the same folks by the same gospel, and we have the same power today as they had back then. Oh, hallelujah. We did not start in Azusa Street. Let me be clear we did not start at Azusa Street. We did not start in Topeka, Kansas on January 1, 1901, but we started on the day of Pentecost when they were all in one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. We are still a part of the movement of God upon this earth that began at Pentecost. History is not as far behind us as you think it is because we are the living descendants of the first church that was born on the day of Pentecost. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise this morning. Amen, I thank God Uh, for the apostolic movement that we're a part of, and I thank God for the United Pentecostal Church International, amen, I'm glad I'm a part of it, I'm humbled to be a part of it. Have been an ordained minister for some years now in this organization, but this organization, amen, is not the church, it's a part of the church. We go back further than the United Pentecostal Church. Amen. We go back further uh, 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 than the, the uh, PAW or the AC of JC or the PJ of JC or whatever other initials they have, but because we all preach the B-I-B-L-E and the same gospel and the same doctrine. Amen. We're a part of that church. Amen. We, we didn't start in, in the, in the Pentecostal renewal as it's called in the beginning of the 20th century. Amen. We started in the book of Acts. Amen. And I, I don't mean to cross theological swords and my intent is to not be offensive. Amen. But we, we are the first church. Amen. We may not have been the first church organized in the city of Woodland, but let me tell you, honey, we are the first church. Because we preach the first doctrine, we preach the only gospel. Amen. If you wonder why we're called First Church, it's because that's who we are. We are the first church, we be the first church, we is the first church, we are the first church, we We belong to the first church, amen, and praise God, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning, I want to preach to you today, I want everybody under the sound of my voice to hear me, but young people, I want you to lean in a little bit closer, amen, we did not start in the early 1900s, we began in AD 33 with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Jerusalem in the upper room, I don't mean to be offensive, amen, but we did start in 325 A.D. At the, uh, at the abominable Council of Nicaea. Amen. We did not start with Justin Martyr. We did not start, amen, with any of the early founders of the Roman Catholic Church. We were already in existence before that time. Amen. That gets me excited. Amen. Not so I can beat my chest and talk about how great we are, but so that I can lift my hands and be thankful that we are connected to the original apostles. We are connected to the original disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout, that's me. Amen. We, we, we did not come from Tertullian. We did not come from, uh, from any... Uh, 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 ordained thing that came out of Rome, amen. Matter of fact, I, and I've told this story before, I was doing, um, I, I thought I was doing a lecture and ended up turning to a debate in the, the Napa State College and was there was a Catholic priest and he so arrogantly stood up and, and, and maybe I should maybe I shouldn't say it like that, but it was to me. And he kind of tugged his robe, and he looked at me, and he looked at the other Christian ministers represented there. And uh, he grabbed his robe, and he said, "Well, the truth of the matter is that no matter what they call themselves—Mormon, or 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 Catholic, or Episcopalian, or what Baptist or whatever—they uh, are all our wayward children. For all churches birth through the Universal Church of Rome, Amen. The Catholic Church, as it was established." established, amen, by by St. Peter himself, and I could not wait to grab the mic because I had something to say, and I stood up, and with all due respect, I said, and I gave uh, all due respect, I looked at that Catholic priest, and I said, sir, you've got it wrong. You were established at 325 AD at the Council of Rome and Constantinople and all of the agreements that you made with, uh, that was made back then, amen, with, with damnable doctrines that came out of Greek mythology, amen. And all of these things I said sir I want to make one thing clear We preach exactly What the disciples preach We teach exactly What the apostles taught We preach exactly What Jesus said Word for word Amen I said so sir With all due respect We did not come out Of the Catholic church But the Catholic church Came out of us And you are our wayward child We're, you're not, we're not your child You're our wayward child and I smiled and said, you're welcome back to the truth anytime you want. Oh hallelujah. Their buildings may be older than ours. Their cathedrals may stand taller than ours, amen, but this church we're a part of was bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, amen. Our frame stands strong because it was built with the bones of the martyrs of the early church. We are not a Johnny-come-lately. We are not the new kids on the block. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the first church. Somebody shout hey man hey man I feel the holy ghost right now Praise God. Amen. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me, people of God. I want you to hear me. Amen. All of our ministry team and staff, I want you to hear me. All of our future ministry team and church planners and missionaries, listen, I don't ever want you to stand intimidated, amen, because there's a, a, another religion with a bitter, bigger organization and more money, amen, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, is bigger than all of that. We weren't established by Wesley. We weren't established by Lutheran, amen, we were established, amen, by the Lord Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who is the chief cornerstone, and he said, Up on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You and I are a part of that church. That's why the episcopal movements and the Protestant movements and the Catholic movement is going through all sorts of doctrinal shifts, accepting same-sex marriages, accepting transgender, but not the first church, not the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We still stand. Stand upon what God's word says. Don't you be intimidated? I said, Don't you be intimidated? Young people, don't you be intimidated. You're part of the first church. Praise God. I uh let me just say this. You can be seated. And this is not in my notes, but I'm gonna say this. Yesterday, amen. I was uh, watching the uh my Razorbacks beat Cincinnati. It was a great game. And a commercial came on, and, and ESPN, ESPN, uh, wanting to show their Wokeology, did a short series. Uh, I'm going to tell you, those claiming it woke are in a coma. I want to be awake like the Bible says. I, I don't want to accept this culture where where adults can talk to little kids about their sexual preference. I don't want to be a part of that. And you don't want to tell you, say, well, I'm not a part of that, but I'm with the other stuff. No, you're not, because you can't be for the other stuff if you're not for that stuff. They won't let you. And so I, 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 I what they put on this, they put on this series, uh, this little deal, and it, and it came on, and I started watching it, and it was, I, I was pretty intrigued by it because I was standing in the kitchen, and uh, I was cutting off, uh, some tri-tip that I had smoked that morning, and I, and I heard this deal, uh, and, and this woman's voice comes on, and she says, "It was always a desire my whole life to wear the hijab." And I went, "What in the world? I thought it was the ESPN? Yeah. And so I walked around and I went, "What in the world are they talking about? And this woman wearing a hijab, you know? She says, my whole life, I, I've looked the, the women I look up to. They all wear the hijab. And it's got ESPN on there. It's brainwashing. And, and so it went on. And so I just, I just sat there. I was fixated. And, and then another woman comes on and says, I was raised Catholic, but I converted to Islam. And I could not wait to wear the hijab. In the hijab, we believe that it shows our submission to God to where we only show our face and our hands. And they were just, um, they were drooling all over these women at how heroic they are to only show their face and their hands. And, and it is such a powerful that I want to say, well, finish it. Finish it. Because they can't drive. Right? They, 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 they uh, stone adulterers to death to this day. They, they throw uh, homosexuals off of roofs for fun. Don't get mad, this is the truth. Show me a Muslim country they don't do that in. But but, but I digress, I'm watching this and they're talking about the glory of the hijab to only show their face and their hands. And I said to myself, and and I said it to myself, I said it out loud. I said, isn't it funny that we are so woke in America that we praise this as being so wonderful. But when a Christian woman says, I'm going to dress to the dictates of the word of God and I'm going to live separate from the world and not dress like the world and live holy like the word of God says, you know what those same people say about you ladies? That you're in a cult. You're being held down. You're being restricted. Oh, it's just... It's just a bunch of legalism. None of that stuff is necessary. They'll look at you, make fun of you, belittle you, berate you because it comes out of the word of God. But they will celebrate something that was written by a murderous pedophile and say, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm going to tell you like never before, ladies, you ain't got no reason to hang your head about the standards of holiness. Amen. You got a reason to celebrate. Ladies, listen to me. Young ladies, you listen to me. Don't you be intimidated because they wear all of that and looked at the way. And you say, well, this way is so old-fashioned. And it's, a- hey, the world is celebrating somebody, a man dressing like a penguin and only showing their face and hands. I want to celebrate the way the women in the Bible were taught to look before the Lord. Say, Pastor, this generation don't want to hear it. Evidently, they do. They were happy on ESPN to cover everything but the face. Amen. So I, don't, I don't want you to be intimidated I, I know it I, look I know I've been with my wife I know you gotta shop longer to find something modest I, I know you can't just hit the sale rack or any store in the mall and be able to I know it's Sunday but bless God I'm pastor so you're gonna take it today amen I know you gotta go shop a little bit longer and shop online to find something holy and modest because that's what the word of God said for us to do If ESPN can celebrate Muslim women doing it, I as the pastor of a first church, I'm gonna celebrate these beautiful ladies that choose to cover and be modest as the word of God tells. Amen. We're gonna be solid in our doctrine. We're not gonna back up. Don't hold your breath. There ain't gonna be an ESPN about it. They're just gonna call you a cult and say you're in far religious extremism, but you hold on and you tell them, Sister Lucy, I'm a part of the first church. This is what the first church taught. This is what the first church said. It ain't what Pastor Wisnett said. It ain't what the UPC said. It's what the word of God said. Come out from among them and be separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you unto me and ye shall be my people and I shall be your God. you hold on to your holiness. you hold on to your modesty. Oh, somebody give him praise this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They may say, well, I don't think, I don't know about making a big deal out of it. Well, the Bible made a big deal out of it. So we're gonna make a big deal out of it. You wanna know why? Because this ain't the first church of Osteen. This ain't the first church of TBN. This is the first church that was established in the word of God. We're gonna preach the same doctrine, the same way to salvation. And the way of holiness is still right in 2022. I said the way of holiness is still right in 2022. I don't care what some limp-wristed noodle spine-tight preachers wearing, modern-day preacher thinks, sitting on his stage with his fog machine, trying to b- blind the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how many so-called apostolic churches walk away from the doctrine. The first church won't. The first church will hold on to the truth. The first church will live the doctrine. The first church will say, we. Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. I hope this is all right this morning. Amen. I I remember in Vacaville some years after we started the church, had a family come there, kind of an influential family, and they come to me after a service. They've been coming for a while, and they said to me, uh, uh, Sister Addison, they said to me, you know, Pastor, we love your preaching. My God, we love your preaching. Man, makes you feel good, and we love your preaching. We love the worship around here. Said, this would be the largest church in town, if we can just help you. If we just give you a few pointers, Sister Elva, this, this would be the largest church in town. Nobody can touch this church. Not with the preaching and the worship and the power of God and they say Here, here's what we need you to do if you want this to be the biggest church in town j- just let up on some things don't, don't preach you know, baptism in Jesus name only Oh, I, I leaned in I listened to it they didn't know I was, I was rolling up the Holy Scripture and I was going to give it to them I said, I said, you know, if you wouldn't emphasize speaking in tongues so much, you, people would love your preaching. They come here; it's powerful, it's dynamic. I said, you know, and and, and uh, you don't got to ch- really change anything, but if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't teach an emphasis on on separation of dress, you know, like the Bible says, men look like men, women look like women. It's in the book. If you wouldn't make that such an emphasis. You'd have the largest church in the city of Vacaville within 10 years. I looked at them and I said, see, here's where you're mistaken. Number one, to think I would ever change what the word of God says. Number two, to think that if I did all those things that I would have the largest church in this city. I might could get the largest crowd. But I wouldn't have the largest church. I might could have the biggest building, but I wouldn't have the largest church because the church preaches the whole counsel of God, not the feel-good parts of God, not the things that make the hair on my neck stand up, but the whole counsel of God. We, we still teach that sin is wrong and heaven is right. We still believe in holiness. We still believe in Acts 2.38. And if you're gonna be saved, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus. filled with the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues. that didn't come up with that. UBC didn't come up with that. God came up with that. And we're God's church. I wanna be a part of some new age postmodern Pentecostalism church, have at it, brother. You want to be a part of a church, amen, where, where there is no line, amen, of what God's word says in these areas? Look around. You wouldn't have to walk far enough to break your sweat to, to find a church that will tickle your ears. Amen. If you want a preacher, amen, who, who is weak in the word and heavy on inspiration, they are a dime a dozen. But if you want a church to raise your family in, that teaches. Just the power of God unto salvation, that teaches that Jesus Christ is still the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to be a part of a church, amen, that believes the kingdom of God is right, you're in the right place, because we're still preaching from the same sermon notes that the Apostle Paul preached with. We're still preaching with the same sermon notes that the Apostle Peter preached with. Oh hallelujah, somebody shout I'm a part of that church amen today, even now the sounds of Pentecost are heard every week in our churches around the world every time somebody speaks in tongues, the sounds of Pentecost are still heard among us, they did not pass away, they did not go extinct we are not searching for them, we're not longing for them, we're not hoping that they will return, but they are present with us right now they are heard in the shouts of those who have been healed by the power of God. Man, I told you last Sunday or Sunday before in Vacaville, one of our sisters just had a total knee replacement. I think y'all were there. She comes up on a cane. If you ever had a total knee replacement, you know what I'm talking about. You can verify that she'd had that surgery three, about three weeks prior or so. And she came up to the altar with her cane. And the next thing I know, she was dancing all over that altar area. No swelling, No pain. You see, that's what happens at the first church. We don't blow on people and push them over. We let the power of God do what the power of God does. Amen. Friday night I was at TDR and Pastor Underwood was there. Amen, I I hope y'all are in for some preaching this morning. And Pastor Underwood came over to me and he said, Brother Wisner, remember Sunday night when you got done preaching and the lady came up with a walker. I said, yeah, she was actually a younger lady. I said, yeah, he said, remember we were praying for healing. I said, yeah, he said, she has battled that disease for years. She's come to church with that walker for years. He said, I just want you to know this week, amen, God healed her in that service and she went to her doctor and confirmed that she's been. Not because of me, not because of my preaching, but because we are a part of the first church. We still believe in the miraculous healing power of God. If you're sick this morning, I believe God can heal you right now. If you need a miracle in your body, you can get it right now because we're a part of the first church. Shout, Pentecost is still alive every time we gather though the language may be different the songs may be different the musical presentation may be different it is the same church today as it was in Pentecost 2,000 years ago every time we worship we are worshiping just like they did I may not get through with this message. I feel so much victory in this place right now every time we worship we worship like they did if the apostle Paul were to raise from the dead right now and he were to walk into this service this morning he might not understand the language he may be shocked by all of the modern technology but I believe if he walked into this church right now amen he would completely understand the presence and the power of God and everything that is happening right now when folks begin to clap their hands I believe the apostle Paul would say, hey, that's exactly how we did it. Amen, when folks begin to dance and shout, I believe Paul would say, hey, that's exactly like we did it. Amen, when somebody gets running the aisles, I believe Paul would say, that's exactly like we did it. He would remember a long time ago when he said, I'm not beside myself, I haven't lost my mind. But the way you call heresy is the way we worship God. Even more importantly, you hear me this morning. If the apostle Peter was a resurrected from the dead and he walked into this service this morning and somebody were to translate into Greek or to Hebrew for him and he heard this preacher stand up here today and say repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all those that are afar off even as the many are God, even as many as the Lord our God shall call I believe with all my heart that old fisherman would jump up to his feet and he would begin to dance and scream. they're still preaching it the way I preached it 2,000 years ago they're still declaring it now like I declared it then. I believe Simon Peter would say, I'm in the right church, they're still doing it like we did it. they're still preaching it like we preached it. We are a part of them. We are a part of them. They are a part of us. They share in our victory today. And we share in their triumphs. Because we are a part of the same church. Somebody say, I'm a part of that church. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that the great heroes of the faith of the past are vitally interested in what's happening today in this service huh I said the old saints are vitally interested in what God is doing here today that's what the Bible says indeed the writer described a setting that even a 21st century American could understand he said it's a vast stadium of bleachers rising up infinitely rising up to the clouds on every side, totally surrounding us. The writer said that the seats of this arena are filled with those who had once struggled on its floor. These are those who had their day in battle. They had their day in the sun and in the contest. And now that day is done. Now they have taken their place watching and waiting. It's not for academic or mere curiosity that they are watching because we are on the same team and we are fighting the continuation of the same battles that they fought back then. We are struggling with the same enemy that they struggled with and they care about what's happening because their race is not finished. Their battle is not over because you and I are the final component of this ancient struggle between good and evil. But, between sin and righteousness, between heaven and hell, between the kingdom of hell and the kingdom of God. We are responsible to carry on the fight they fought and the contest in which they struggled in. This is why they are interested in what we are doing today. And this tells me a few things. That tells me a few things. First of all, it tells me that we did not discover this We did not invent this or dream this up. This is not a new religion invented at the beginning of the past century. It has been going on for 2,000 years. The only thing different is that now it is our time on the arena floor. It's not a new arena, just as it is not a new contest. It is not a new enemy. It is not a new battle. We are fighting the same enemy in the same arena, and we're fighting the same... uh, Contest, and we're dealing with some of the same struggles. If you could in your mind's eye look around the arena floor this morning you would look at the sandy floor of the arena and you would see bloodstains on that floor and those bloodstains are not our bloodstains but rather it is their bloodstains for they have already fought their battles they have already conquered those demons and they have already struggled on the arena floor but it is the blood of heroes that have went before us uh, that lies pulled upon the arena floor listen to me in 2022 uh, there is no retirement for living for God uh, you will never get to a point in this life uh, where you can sit on the sidelines and say well it's time for the next generation no not until that great graduation of death uh, or the rapture will we get off of the arena floor I've come to encourage somebody right now you're still in the fight stay in the fight We're going to win this struggle. We're going to win this fight. They are the unsung heroes who laid down their lives, who gave everything they had, who fought here before we arrived. And now their time is over and they have stepped into the grandstands. It is we who must run the race with patience. It is we who must fight the good fight of faith. Listen to me, this is what I've come to preach to you about. It is our time to get in the arena. It is our time to plant our feet in the sand and pick up the the sword of the spirit and go to war on the arena floor. You're not here to warm up a chair. You're not here just to fill a number. You're not here just to go through religious protocol, but we are in the arena and it's time for somebody to grab a hold of this thing and say, we're gonna win this fight. We're gonna win this fight. This is why every service matters. This is why every service matters, every service. Every service, not just Sundays or special occasions or when an evangelist, every service matters. That's why we don't have dead church on Tuesday night. Amen, that's why we don't have dead church on midweeks. Every service matters. This is why we don't lay around at prayer service and just let things go when they ain't going the way they should be going because every service matters. This is why service matters, and it matters to God. It matters to the folks in the grandstands, and it matters to us here in the arena floor. Every time we gather, it's not time to sit back and fold our arms and wait to be entertained, amen, by the struggle on the arena floor, but it is time for us to step into the arena and go to battle because every service counts, every minute counts, every second counts. trying to hurry to a close. But secondly, I realize it's not just about us. It didn't begin with us, number one. Number two, it's not, it's not just about us. What we do matters because all of history rests on what we do today. I want to say that again. What we do today all of history rests on. That's why I can't afford to get up here and, and preach a pitiful message. Because eternity matters. History matters. I'm going to preach today. That's why I, I, I can't get up here as prepared as some folks come to church. Don't even think about it until they get there. And then they got to be prodded to just participate in it. Hey, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I'm I'm telling you the truth. Come on, Brother Lucas, we got to get them going. You wouldn't sit here too long if I preached like that. Didn't even think about preaching until I walked in the room. Didn't even think about a message until they were singing. Right? You wouldn't want that. No, every service matters. Every time I step in the pulpit, it matters. Every time you step into this sanctuary, it matters. Every time you lift your hands, it matters. Every time you clap, it matters. Every time you shout, it matters. Every time you lift your voice, it matters. Every song you sing matters. Every instrument you play matters. Every prayer you pray matters. It all matters. You want to know why? Because you are in the arena. This is why, where two or three are gathered in his name, Jesus said he would meet them in their midst. Jesus cares when there are two or three and he will be there because of the two or three. It's not about the two or the three people. It's because eternity matters and God's gonna show up wherever his people show up. Somebody shout amen listen to me, listen to me students if you're the only person in your school that's living for God you keep living for God because it matters whether you live for God or not if you're the only person in your school that is Jesus name baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and living right you keep living for God because it really does matter it just isn't about you but it's about the heroes of the faith who have already gone on before us, you see nobody gave up on them and they They're not going to give up for you. If you can just listen to them right now, they're chanting from the grandstands. You can make it. You can do it. When you're the only one in your family filled with the Holy Ghost, it matters. I said, when you're the only one in your family filled with the Holy Ghost, it matters. It matters whether you give up or not. It matters whether you give in or not. It matters if you backslide or not. Hey man, I served God all these years with my family, not serving God, but here it is, 20-something year prayer is finally coming to pass. It matters that you live for God. It matters that you keep serving God. Listen to me, because when you overcome, we all overcome. When you get victory, we get victory. I don't have the time because I gotta, I gotta try to find a place. I can tell I'm losing some of you right now, so I gotta find somewhere to land. I I don't got the time, or it's just amazing how how some of y'all can watch a two-hour movie and can't hear forty minutes of preaching. You you explain that one to the Lord. Now, I, I know I got most of you with me, and that's fine. I'm, I'm just talking to the other ones right now. I, I, you say, well, I'm here. No, you, you're not here. You're here in person, but you're not here yet. You're thinking about fried chicken or, or eating a roast after service. I'm telling you right now, eternity's in this building. That's why the first church locked themselves in a prayer room for 10 days until the Holy Ghost fell. I'll have the time, I'll have the ability to paint to you the picture I see of synergy and connection between us and the great heroes of the past. But we are all one church. You see, redwood trees have massive root structures beneath the surface because their strength, amen, it comes from their unity. It is their connection, amen, that brings them strength. In fact, biologists tell us that the largest living creature on earth are the redwood trees just a few hours north of us here in Eureka. They say it's the largest living organism on planet Earth. You wanna know why? Because those redwood trees, their root systems, they say stretches for hundreds of miles. They say every one of those trees are connected to one another beneath the surface. Amen. And when one of them gets malnourished, they can tap into the root system of another one. Amen. And they they can strengthen matter of fact. They said there was one redwood tree that was a hundred miles away, and they found out that it was dying and it was only kept alive because another tree a hundred miles away. Way was tapped into its root system and was sending nutrients to that tree so that it might survive. I've come to tell you the same thing we're not here today because we're doing anything by ourselves, but we are here today because we are connected to a root system that stretches 2,000 years. We're still connected to the first church, we're still connected to John and Peter and Bartholomew, we're still connected to Mary and Martha and priscilla and aquila we're still connected to titus and timothy and philemon and onesimus uh, we're still connected to polycarp uh, we're still connected oh hallelujah Abraham Lincoln, in dealing with the cataclysmic events of the Civil War and the events of December 1862, said, Men should utter nothing for which they would not willingly be responsible through time and eternity. He went on and said, fellow citizens, we cannot escape history. We will be remembered in spite of ourselves. No personal significance or insignificance can spare, uh, spare one or another of us. The fiery trial through which we pass will light us down and in honor or dishonor to the last generation. What we do today will matter throughout all of history. I am determined I'm not gonna drop the ball in the fourth quarter. I am determined we are not gonna lay down on the gospel. We are not gonna lay down on the truth. You wanna know why? We're connected to a root system that stretches back, uh, that wraps its roots around the rock of ages. Uh, amen. We are connected to the patriarchs of old. Uh, amen. I thank God for this 64-year-old church. Uh, amen. But it's a 64-year-old assembly. It's not a 64-year- old Old church. It's a 2,000 plus year old church that we're connected to. From the newest convert to the oldest saint, the message is simple. Don't get sidetracked now. Don't lose your confidence now. We're not on the first turn of the race. We're in the backstretch of the race. It's not the first round of the fight. We're in the last round of the fight. We're in the arena. We're battling. We're fighting. But we're going to be victorious through Jesus Christ. my God I feel the Holy Ghost now we're almost finished I said we're almost finished soon the crown of life is going to be passed out and victory will be declared we're going to win this race we're going to win the fight in the arena somebody shout we're going to win Our fathers dreamed about this day of revival. Our grandfathers hardly dared envision churches like the church that we walk into every Sunday when we walk into this place. I thank God for the Paul Prices and the Billy Coles. I thank God for the Bobby Frizzells. I thank God for the Nona and Bug Freemans. I thank God for, but their day is past. God has called us for this generation and God has called us for this hour. The greatest church. Have yet to be built. The greatest missionaries have yet to be sent. The greatest evangelists have yet to preach. The greatest church planters have yet to plant. It's your time. (laughs) Hallelujah. Musicians, if you'll come. You see, I, I learned a little thing about racing about running a relay and I'm not going to address them all but I'll tell you I know this you don't save your worst runner for last in a relay uh-uh. no see that last relay he's called the anchor man he's got to be fast matter of fact he's got to operate on, on a different level up here because the anchor man's got to believe he can beat anybody on that track and he's gotta be willing to push harder than anybody else because they know the whole race depends on them. He realizes that when he carries out that race and he crosses the finish line, he's not crossing the finish line for himself. He's crossing the finish line for the whole team. God didn't, God didn't make a mistake. You last. God knew exactly what He was doing. And I'm going to tell you something. God put you in this generation for the right time. I I, I was never the fastest. I I, I ran track a little while in high school. We weren't that good. We went to district and lost, but we were okay. But my favorite, my favorite was the relay. I love the relay. And the relay was, you you had four runners about every quarter mile, so one mile. And and it was so important that, that not only that we were fast, but we knew how to transition. So important. You had to know when to hand the baton off and when to receive it. And realize that when it was in your hand, the whole race depended. I'm going to tell you something, you count and you matter because the generation that we're a part of, I believe is going to see the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you fall down, don't you lay down on the track, feel sorry for yourself, you get up and you keep running. Just for namesake, let's call him, let's call him Johnny. He ran for a college in Mississippi in the early 70s. His favorite was the mile relay. He was a good runner. Johnny vividly remembers one particular track meet. When it was time for the mile relay, everything that had happened that day, from long jump to high jump, pole vault, shot put, all of it, 50-yard, 70-yard, 100-yard dash. All of it came down to the final relay to whether their team was going to win the meet or not. The coach, who was low-key and not an emotional man, came over and quietly said, boys, if we win the mile relay today, we'll win the whole meet. But if we lose the relay, we lose the meet. It's our only chance. It started out well, the first runner, the second runner, the third runner. There was an eight-second gap between their team and the second place runner you get me a baton. Johnny was in the starting block and he started out and when that third runner began to pass the baton in his hand he reached back and rather than focus on the baton he let it slip from his hand hit the track and began to tumble in a panic he turned to pick it up and he kicked it into the infield disqualifying them from the race he never forgot that every day for 365 days every day every day without fail he practiced running but more than that he practiced receiving the baton and running with it one year later as fate would have it It's the same thing. Coach come to him and said, boys, it's hard to believe we're in this situation again. If we win this, we win the championship meet. If we lose the one-mile relay, we've lost everything. Coach looked at him and said, Johnny, are you ready? He said, yes, sir, I'm ready. He remembered how he had let the whole team down. But this day they took off, and again, the first man was fast. It was the highest competition they'd ever faced. The race started and they held their own. At the end of the first quarter mile, they were in third place, their second man was good, but he lost a spot at the halfway point. Now they were in fourth. When their third man took the baton, he made his run, but he was able to gain that one spot back. So when Johnny stood in the box where they were in third place, he realized that they were fastly fading and then finally his moment came. He put his hand behind him and the baton was slapped into his hand and the final quarter mile began and Johnny floated the first turn just sizing up the competition watching it how they ran and the pace that they had set and he then bore down hard in the back stretch. He began to pull strength out of him he didn't know he had and he passed the third place and he passed second place and he made his way close closing in the gap to the runner in the first place. He was running with everything he had. Amen. There was nobody to carry the baton but Johnny. It was up to him. He gave it everything. He reached down inside of himself and he pulled out strength he didn't know he had and he slowly narrowed the gap between himself and the first place runner. Then three feet turned to two feet and two feet turned to one feet as he closed in the gap with just yards to go before the finish line. When all of a sudden it dawned on Johnny, amen, that he could go no further. He had maxed out. But all he could hear was the parents screaming, you can do it, Johnny. He heard his teammates screaming, come on, Johnny, you can do it. Come on, Johnny, you can make it. Johnny said he recalled hearing people screaming all over that track meet, come on, Johnny, you can make it. You can do it. But Johnny just couldn't do it. He had nothing left to, left to give. The finish line was just mere feet away. But but standing there in the middle of the infield out of the corner of his eye he saw his coach standing there he never lost his cool he never got emotional but his coach amen his coach at this point now he got emotional as he was about to hit the finish line he threw his clipboard up in the air and he mouthed the words to Johnny he said I believe in you son you can do it he, Johnny said I found another gear I didn't know I had I forward, And as he began to run, that one foot turned to six inches. That six inch gap closed to two inches. And just before he crossed the finish line, he stumbled. And by stumbling, he beat the first place runner by three inches and he won the race. The track team piled on top of him screaming and kicking. They won the championship. The stands emptied of family and friends. They were hoisting him. He was bloodied. He had had a rash all over him from falling down on the track. He said he was crying. Everybody was so excited. They won their first championship. And when they finally put him down, he walked over there and there was his coach with a big old grin on his face and he put his hand on his shoulder and he said, Johnny, he said, I knew you had had it in you son and all he said to him after that was you did a good job I'm going to tell you something saint of God we are in the backstretch right now we are closing in on the finish line and we are going to cross that finish line We're not gonna hobble our way into heaven. We're not gonna have to drag ourselves. We're gonna cross that finish line, and when we get there, the coach is gonna be standing there saying, good job, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Stand with me, stand with me, stand with me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We're closing in on the final stretches. We're moments away. The trumpet could sound at any time. Folks, we are just a few strides away from crossing that finish line. And the grandstand of heaven is cheering us on right now. Why not you close your eyes, can, can, can you hear it? The arena of tens of thousands of saints that have gone home before. I can hear Daniel. I can hear John. Do you hear it? Do you hear them cheering you on? Because every time you overcome, they celebrate. Because they overcome when you overcome. Do you hear them? They're cheering you on. You can make it. You can make it, son. You can make it, young lady. You can do it. You're going to survive.
0: You're going to win this battle.
1: You're going to win this